It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I noticed Elena Watson putting out these funny reels on Instagram. She's quite the master at putting them together, and of course, they're about quilting, so that makes them extra fun. Elena has created over a dozen beautiful quilt patterns. It was fun to hear more about the process of creating a pattern. Elena, I'm so excited to get to talk to you. Thanks for being on A Quilter's Life. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Tell me where you were born and raised. Well, I was born in Nashville, Tennessee. And then when I was about six weeks old, my parents just up and decided we were moving to North Carolina to live with my aunt up there. And so we lived there for about two years. And then my parents very suddenly decided to move back to Nashville, Tennessee. So that's where I lived until I was about eight. And then we actually moved out to a suburb of Nashville called Smyrna. And that's where I grew up and lived there until I was 31. And then we moved to Dalton, Georgia, which is where we live now because of my husband's job. So you moved to Georgia after you were married, right? Oh, yes. Uh huh. Okay. Do you have a special childhood memory? I come from a pretty big family on both sides. My dad is one of seven. And my mom is one of five. And so, I mean, just my best memories are all of us being together on holidays. Like we always would have a, like a cookout. My grandfather had this huge barbecue pit at his house that we all like the brothers and sisters got together and built. And so a lot of our, you know, every Memorial Day, every Labor Day, every, you know, whatever, there was an excuse to get out there and have a barbecue and my grandparents had a big, not a big farm. They didn't farm like commercially, just they had a big residential farm. They grew a lot of their own vegetables, I guess more of a garden. But anyways, I remember like going and picking cucumbers with my grandmother and, you know, shucking corn while everybody's cooking and hanging out at all these barbecues. So just being with my big family is a pretty fond memory. Yeah. Family time is so important. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you have a quilting business, but did you have employment before your business? I did. I started, you know, first job and then all through college, I worked in a handful of different restaurants. And then my dad had a house flipping business for a little while, but unfortunately they started that in like 2007, 2008. So that was not like a great time that didn't last very long. So when I was in college, I have a degree in elementary education, actually. And I was an elementary school teacher for several years. Until I got pregnant with my first daughter and then was able to stay home with her. And then I watched a couple of other kids for some friends of mine because we all had babies at the same time. And so I was able to babysit in my home while I was staying home with my daughter. I've been a stay-at-home mom since 2015. And then this year, actually, I just took a new job. I am the children's ministry director at my local church. Oh, neat. So that just started about eight weeks ago. So it's still pretty new. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious what grades that covers. 
So it covers like infants. So like two months old, as soon as their moms feel comfortable leaving them in the nursery up to, I'm up to kids in fifth grade. So once they hit sixth grade, hit middle school, they go up to the middle and high school youth group. Nice. Well, we kind of covered where you live now, but is there a story of how you got there? Yeah, absolutely. So we were living in Murfreesboro, which is just a little further suburb out of Nashville. And then my husband was working in Franklin, which is another suburb, but it's like 45 minutes to an hour away, one way. So he was missing a lot of time with us just from commuting and traffic. And the hours were starting to get more demanding at his job. I mean, he would just come home at seven o'clock at night and not even see the kids all day because he left before they got up and then was home at bedtime, you know, just in time to kiss him goodnight. And so we felt like it was really important to have our immediate family time. So he started looking for another job where we could live within 10 or 15 minutes of the office because unfortunately we couldn't afford to live in Franklin and there weren't any jobs in that area, like in the Murfreesboro area that we were living in that were in his field of expertise. But we found a company called Shaw. They make flooring. Dalton is right here. You can live within 10 or 15 minutes of his office. Now, you know, now that COVID has happened, that's not as much of a concern, but he still does have to go into the office and it's only a 15 minute commute. Before COVID, he was able to come home and have lunch with us and see the kids in the middle of the day. And so it was really just a good investment for our family to have more time with our immediate family. Mm-hmm. It was definitely uh, hard to leave all our family and friends, but it was worth it for the time that we're getting together. Yeah. Do you get to go back home very often to see everyone? Yeah, we do. Probably like once every other month-ish. We just had the in-laws just drove down for the day because we're only about two hours away from Murfreesboro, so it's not a terrible drive. So last weekend, the in-laws drove down for the day to hang out with us. But we're actually, my brother's getting married this weekend. So we'll be home this weekend. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Would you like to tell me about your kids? Uh, yes. She's five right now. Her name is Arabelle. She's in kindergarten this year. She's liking it for the most part. She's very fun. She likes to laugh and have a good time. She loves to do puzzles. She's very creative. Yeah, she's deciding right now whether she wants to be a dentist or a vet when she grows up. <laughs> she's a lot of fun. And then I have a son named Benjamin. He's three, almost four. And he is, I don't know if he's like totally wild man, but he's pretty rambunctious and he's just fun too. Like he likes to make people laugh. He's asking me all the time, like, mama, was that funny? Mama, did I make you laugh? He's very much a comedian um, and he's very sweet. And he's very caring. I'm enjoying right now watching him figure things out. He's very imaginative. Even when he's playing with stuff, like he talks in voices, like with his toys and stuff. <laughs> it's really, really funny. So I have to sometimes resist the urge to laugh out loud and like distract him just because I'm enjoying it. Not because I'm like making oh, fun right. of him. But then that would like distract him from his playing. So I try to like hold it in, but. It's really funny. He's a very fun kid. <laughs> Besides quilting, are there other crafts you do or have done? Yeah, so 
after I was staying home for a while with Aribel, I was kind of getting the itch to like do something creative. When I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer, but garment sewing actually makes me really nervous. (laughs) I still have not really broached garment sewing. I much prefer just squares and triangles and straight lines and quilting as opposed to like, you know, hem lines and necklines and all that kind of stuff. But I've always been like doodling and drawing stuff like that. And then was staying home with Arabelle. I started up with a friend. She was already doing it, but I kind of tag teamed with her. She was doing a business, doing stuff with vinyl. She had a cricket. We were making like wooden signs. We were making custom t-shirts, doing all that kind of stuff. I was doing that for a while. She had all the stuff in her house that she lived still like 25 minutes away from me where I live. So that was kind of stressful on that. I don't really remember how like exactly we kind of parted ways. Her son had some special needs and he just needed more of her time, if that makes sense. Like she didn't have as much time to put into the business. So then I kind of started doing it on my own and was actually called Miscellaneous Gifts because that was a nickname of mine growing up a long time. My grandmother always called me Miscellaneous and it was kind of a little bit of everything, which is why I liked it. I was making like some bibs, you know, some small sewn things and then putting iron on vinyl on it or some things were embroidered stuff like that. Then I did that for a while until I found quilting in about 2018. Oh, neat. How about other hobbies? We enjoy hiking. I would say like being outdoors, but other than like quilting, I don't have a whole lot of other hobbies. Yeah. I'll just throw this out there with you liking to be outdoors. Do you see that in your quilting at all? I've been really loving the people who can do like the mountainscape quilting, you know, how like it looks like a mountain or it looks like trees or all that kind of stuff. So I try to, when I am out, look for shapes in nature and see the way that things are made and try to translate that. But I have not been successful at that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you're working on it. Yeah, I am. I am. Tell me about who introduced you to quilting. Oh, this is a good story. So it was my best friend, Anna. Go back to 2015 when me and several of my friends were all having our first child at the same time. You know, we're all in our late 20s. And every other weekend, either somebody was getting married or we were going to a baby shower together. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I was going to all these baby showers and my friend Anna and I had a lot of the same friends at the time. So I was always there with her and always seeing what she was giving, what I was giving, stuff like that. Well, she was giving these handmade baby quilts and I just thought they were spectacular. I loved them. And then she made Arabelle one where she did some applique. Arabelle's room decoration is like songbirds. So Anna, on her quilt, she appliqued her some songbirds that look like they're sitting on a branch. And so that was in 2015. That was just the season of everybody having babies. So I was still like seeing all these quilts, all these quilts, all these quilts that she was making. And then when it came to 2017, I was pregnant with my son we were still, you know, going, you know, not as often, obviously, but still going to baby showers. And then I saw the quilt she made for Ben. And that was in like October, I think, of 2017. And that's when I decided like, okay, I want to learn how to do this. I can do this. I want to make a quilt. (laughs) And I had another friend, one of my other best friends, her name is Jenny. She was also pregnant at the time. So she and I were pregnant with our first together. And then we were pregnant with our second together. And our first kids are born two days apart. And then our second kids are born like two months apart. 
So I thought, well, this is perfect. I don't have a gift for Jenny and I want to do something really meaningful for her. I'm going to go to my local quilt shop, which is called Stitcher's Playhouse in Smyrna, Tennessee. I'm going to go to my local quilt shop. I'm going to take a quilting class. Beginners of quilting. We made just a very simple like four patch quilt and I'm going to learn about it. I felt like I could figure out the piecing part, but then when it came to like what I didn't have the terms for, like the basting and sandwiching it and the binding and all that, that was like, I have no idea how they do that. So that's what I did. And that was in February, I think of 2018 is when I took that class. It was over a span of four weeks and yeah, that's how I got into quilting. (laughs) (laughs) Neat. You still have that first quilt then? Oh, well, I gave it to my friend Jenny, but yes, she does still have it. I was over there recently kind of checking out to see like how it's held up over the last couple of years because it was my first one, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's still looking good. Still good construction because I had a teacher right there helping me. <laughs> <laughs> the second and third and fourth quilts that I made are not so great, you know, when I tried to do it on my own, but that first one is pretty spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> do you happen to have a favorite quilt? I did not think I did. That's a very common question you get from people who are not quilters and they're trying to like make conversation with you about quilting, but they don't really know what to ask you. It's not a subject that a lot of people have knowledge of, you know? Yeah. People always ask me, oh, like, what's your favorite quilt? And I didn't think I had one until like maybe a couple months ago. My square peg quilt, my cover quilt that I made, I used the Autumn Vibes collection from, I think it's Marine Cracknell and... It's like this mustard and plums and it's spectacular. That's when I fell in love with like the speckled line of fabric from Rashida Coleman Hale, I think is her name. But anyway, I like didn't think I had one. And then I pulled that one out, even though I made it a year ago. I had never sent it off to be quilted because I was just on to other things and didn't really know how to quilt it. But I've gotten connected with a long arm quilter who does really beautiful work and she and I have similar taste. So I, I don't really have to try very hard to like pick stuff for her to do. She's like, Oh, what about this? And then I usually love it. So I finally got it back out to send to her. Cause I was like, I'm going to finish all these quilts. <laughs> Cause I have just a stack of tops that are, I feel like a mile high. But anyways, I got that first square peg that I made back out the other day and I looked at it and I was like, this is it. This is my favorite quilt. <laughs> I don't care about all the other ones. I mean, I do care about them, but it's that moment of like, yep, this is it. This is my favorite one. I didn't think I had one, but this is it. (laughs) And so now it's finally quilted and finished and has a place of, it's more on display even in my house than gets used because I love it so much. I want to look at it. And I'm like, I'm never giving this one away. This one will be buried with me. (laughs) (laughs) What tool are you so thankful that you have? Right now, it's some specialty rulers. I talk about it a lot on my Instagram page whenever I do a quilt with half square triangles. They're called the Clearly Perfect Slotted Trimmers. They're from New Leaf Stitches. I think her name's Carrie Carr. I did a quilt last year with like over a thousand half square triangles in this quilt. I felt like it was probably more, but it's a ruler for trimming half square triangles where you trim first and then you press them open and you only trim like once instead of pressing it open and then trimming all four sides. So it's like such a game changer for me for half square triangles. You can do even like one inch, like finished up to like six inch finished on the same ruler. Wow. And it really works. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. 
it has upped my precision game immensely. Neat. I think I saw that, but I was afraid if you had it off a little bit that you really won't get your square squared. <laughs> so that's neat to hear that it really works. Cool. Yeah, I love it. And I also got a wing clipper recently for flying geese because those are a bear to trim if you have to go around all four sides. Um, so that's been really helpful to kind of save time and keep things precise. Huh. It sounds like it would save a lot of time. Yeah. Now, do you have a favorite part of the process or do you like each step? I mean, who really likes basting? But <laughs> I would say that's probably the only part I don't love. So I love designing like the fabric part of quilt tops, right? And then piecing them. That's probably my favorite. And then skip to the end and binding because that means like the quilt's done. You can use it. It's fantastic. But it, when it gets to like the basting and the choosing the quilting design and then actually quilting it, that's not my favorite part. <laughs> I haven't gone more into the quilting, you know, the stitching quilting part of that. Like I haven't really done any free motion or anything like that. I'm really just into straight lines and stuff, but I want to branch more into how do I accentuate the design of the quilt with my quilting rather than just kind of an overall design? Not that those aren't spectacular. I've done a lot of those, but I think I'm ready to like challenge myself a little bit more on that. So that seems a little intimidating to me right now, which is why it's not my favorite part. I've got a couple baby quilts stowed in my stash of tops that need to be finished that are really going to be good practice for me to branch out more in the quilting. But if I had to say my favorite part, it's either designing quilt patterns or piecing them together. Uh-huh. Now for my fun question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What was your worst quilting experience? Oh, man. I've had a lot of fiascos with machines. There was one time where my husband tried to help me clean my machine, and then it would only sew in reverse. (laughs) (laughs) So then we ended up buying a new machine. Oh, I mean, I got it cleaned and fixed and everything, but then we just ended up buying a new machine after that. That's probably like the worst, right in the middle of making a project with a deadline. All it would do is sew in reverse. I panicked. I'm trying but to one picture of my, how you would even. Yeah, I try, I started to sew. I'm like, maybe if I hold the reverse thing down, I can like counteract what's going on here and it will sew forward. But no, it didn't. Even if I held the reverse, it still continued to sew in reverse. I was like, oh, this is it. I actually ended up having to go borrow a machine from my friend at the time, come back home, do that. Because that was in June of last year, like what felt like height of the pandemic at the time. And Everybody was making masks, so sewing machines were very hard to find. All the stores were sold out. So I had to borrow one from my friend because even to order one, it would have taken six weeks, or it did take six weeks to come in because of all the demand for sewing machines last year. It's crazy. Yeah. I think that one might be my worst other than my second quilt that I made. The story has a little bit of a happy ending, but I messed up the basting so much. It was heirloom fabric that I had gotten like from my great grandmother. The top turned out fine, but the back like got all cattywampus everywhere. And I just looked at it and wanted to cry because I felt like I had ruined it. And I still tried to finish it and had some really bad binding on it. But then I have recently gifted it to my mother-in-law because it was on my husband's side of the family, great-grandmother. 
But then I have recently taken it back from her and I undid all the stitches and rebasted it. And now I'm in the process of re-quilting it properly so that it's in good condition and looks beautiful because I didn't tear up any of the fabric. I had so much like pulling and pinching and, you know, and it was only my second quilt. I didn't know what I was doing. So now that I have a little more experience, I can troubleshoot a little better and fix those problems. But yeah, I would say that was probably my worst experience was just staring at this quilt of heirloom fabric and feeling like I had ruined it. Yeah. Thinking about the basting, do you pin base? I do now for a couple of reasons. <laughs> there are two bad experiences with spray basting. So I'll either pin baste or I send it to my long arm connection. So I was spray basting in my basement. So my sewing room is kind of like our hobby space. And my husband is a musician. So I was spray basting a quilt. And then it was like a couple days later, maybe he came downstairs to play his guitars. And he's like, Elena, why does my amp over here feel like tacky? I'd spray basted it on one half of the room and it was a long room, but it just was in the air and had put down this like layer of tacky stick all over everything in the room. So that's one reason that I don't. And then the other reason was that sewing machine debacle that I talked about a second ago. Part of the reason that the machine started going in reverse is because it was so full of gunk from spray basting, like all the glue when the needle was going through, it was taking it down to the machine and getting all gross. So just creating a lot of gunk and buildup. And I remember when I took it to the the service center, yeah. after she was done cleaning it, she's like, what on earth have you been doing with this machine? Like, have you been sewing hot glue? Like what's going on here? So that's when I was like, okay, I'm not going to spray baste anymore just because of those two kind of scenarios. So I will either pin baste if it's a baby quilt because I don't have a great big space on the floor, you know? to baste, or I will send it to my long arm connection. Okay. Why do you make quilts rather than use your time doing something else? I've always been creative and wanted to like make things with my hands. And so a big part of it for me is making something with my hands and then having this finished product to show of what I've made. One of the reasons that I kind of got away from doing the stuff with vinyl is it wasn't lasting as long as I wanted it to. It was just for like baby shirts for holidays that they're going to wear once or only wear for a couple weeks or whatever. You know, it just didn't have that lasting intent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but quilting, that's the whole point of quilts. They're made to be heirlooms and passed down and kept in families. And so I loved that about it, that it was this beautiful blanket quilt that you can snuggle up with your family with, and then it's going to stay with your family and be hopefully a very sentimental heirloom. So it was more about the, this is going to be loved for a long time and used for a long time, because I'm not really one in general to buy things or make things that are only to be used once. I just don't like the waste factor of that. So that's one reason that I love quilting over other, like, crafts and stuff. Yeah. Who do you make your quilts for normally? So when I started, like I said, it was, there was still a lot of my friends having babies. So it was mostly for baby shower gifts. I made a lot of baby quilts. And when you're learning, that's a great size to make because it's small. You know, you can do a little more things with it. 
most people, when they start out, they have a small domestic machine. So it's just very handy to make small quilts because you're new and you have a small machine. So there's a lot of baby quilts at first. I think I only made like one or two throw size quilts for my mom and then my mother-in-law. So for about the first, I would say year or two, it was all baby quilts for my friends and you know family members like cousins. And then now it's more, I'm moving on to the adults in our family. I've made one for everybody in my house, obviously. I've made a better one for my mom now that I know what I'm doing. And I'm making one for all my brothers and sisters-in-law to have in their home. So like my brother-in-law, he lives up in Indiana with his family and they have six people. There's the two of them and they just had their fourth child. So they have... Four of the six of them have quilts, so I'm working on the last two. It's mostly still family. Some I try to sell, but that hasn't really gone well, selling finished quilts. Um, And then some of my baby quilts I have put here in the church nursery in our infant room. I use like a thicker batting and make them kind of more like play mats. Mm -hmm. So babies have something cozy to lay on on the floor. Describe the project you're working on right now. I'm actually working on a pattern test for my very good friend. Her name is Amanda Kelly. Her Instagram handle is Quilt Cakes. She's also a pattern designer. She and I got connected through Instagram, I guess maybe like two years ago, maybe maybe only a year. I don't know. I, I feel like I've known her longer, but you know, with 2020, nobody has a real good gauge of time and because that, you know, that year felt like it lasted forever. But she and I started designing patterns around the same time. And so we talk a lot about design. We bounce ideas off each other. Anyways, she's got a new pattern coming out at the end of October called the Chateau Quilt. And so that's what I'm working on right now is testing that pattern for her. I haven't decided where that one's going to go yet, if I'm going to try to sell it or put it in the nursery here at church yet. Oh, neat. That's great that you have someone to work with and bounce ideas off of. Oh, yeah. We text and talk on Instagram regularly. She's seen all my ideas, you know, good, bad, and ugly. I've seen all hers. And actually, she lives in Arizona. And so I'm trying to go to QuiltCon next year so that I can visit her because it's in Phoenix next year, you know. Yeah. Share a quilting tip. My biggest tip that I would tell people is just to take your time. I can catch myself like making deadlines and getting in a hurry and then I don't do things as well as I should. And so I think especially because quilting is like a quilt itself is supposed to last for decades. And if it takes you another week to make it because you need to slow down and take your time and do a good job, what's a week in the span of the decades that this quilt is going to be used? So that's my biggest tip, mostly for myself, but also for others is it's not a race to make as many quilts as you can or get it done as fast as you can. Take your time. Do your best. Mm -hmm. Describe how you went from having quilting as your hobby that it became a business. So this was in uh, like the beginning of 2020, January. So before any of the COVID business. I've only made a couple of quilts in 2018, even though that's technically when I started quilting. But then in 2019, I made like 20 quilts or something like that. And then my husband was like, hey, where's mine? (laughs) You've made all these quilts for all these other people. All of our friends having babies. Where's mine? You know, he's like, I want something that you've made to stay here in the house with us so we can use it and appreciate it. 
he and I were looking on Pinterest at some quilt designs and stuff like that. He was picking kind of what he liked and what he wanted for his. This is where I get a lot of my inspiration, like geometric wallpapers or like geometric design kind of things. So we were looking at some of those and I saw actually the very first quilt pattern that I designed is my falling ribbon quilt. And that's what I made for him. It wasn't my first one that I published, actually, but it was the first one that I wrote. It feels weird to say it just kind of happened because I was looking at that and going, oh, I could make that. I can figure that out after doing the last like 20 quilts that I had done. I was like, I can figure that out. And then I kind of designed it out and wrote it down. And then I was like, you know what? I bet other people would really like this pattern, too. It's very striking. You know, I wish I could teach other people how to do this. And I was like. I bet I could. I could write a pattern. I could write a quilt pattern. (laughs) Then I was like, I could do this. And so it was just kind of on a whim one weekend, I just decided that I was going to write a quilt pattern. And my first one was absolutely terrible, which is why it like took so long to get published. It took over a year for me to actually get it to the point where I felt like it could be published. And then even still, like I want to go back and revise it. (laughs) So that's kind of how it happened. I started to make one I love and I was like, I bet other people want to make this too. And then that's how I started writing quilt patterns. Like I said, I was a teacher for a couple of years before I had kids. And then now I'm teaching the kids ministry at my church. And I just find that when I'm doing something, my next, I don't know if compulsion is the best word, but like if I'm doing something that I love and I'm really enjoying, I immediately want to teach other people how to do it. And share that with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also kind of where the quilt pattern writing part of it came from is I want other people to be able to do this too and enjoy this quilt design as much as I am. So that was part of where the pattern writing came from. And I'd love to do eventually some classes teaching people actual quilting techniques, but I don't like feel terribly confident in that yet in my own like sewing techniques to be able to teach that to other people. But Yeah, as far as like the pattern writing, that's how that started. And then it was like, oh, well, I can maybe sell some patterns and make some money back to buy more fabric and make more quilts. (laughs) And neat. Now, with you talking about writing quilt patterns, I'm thinking there must be more to it. How difficult is writing down the pattern? Obviously, the complexity of the pattern depends on that. And I do get myself into trouble because I bought the electric quilt pattern, the computer program Mm -hmm. for designing quilts, EQ8. Yeah. So I bought that at the beginning of 2021. Yeah, I bought the beginning of this year. And so I'll just play around in there and make shapes and whatever. And it turns into this beautiful pattern because that's what I usually do first. I design a quilt block or something like that. And then I'll go to color it and decide on sizes. And then I'll take a step back from there and go, okay, how do I make this? How do I break it down like that? And I even had one the other day where it was like, oh, this block requires like a Y seam and we're going to have to use templates and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, nope, not writing that one. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like, I don't even know. I've sewn a Y seam like maybe a handful of times, but I don't feel confident enough to explain that to someone else in just writing without like being right there with them to show them. Mm Mm-hmm. So that kind of determines the complexity of patterns that I write is like, how well can I, in just writing and diagrams, explain how to make this so that people are not confused? So yeah, a lot of it is 
just kind of working. I will make the whole pattern and then kind of work backwards of like, how do I get there? What pieces do I need? That kind of stuff. And there's definitely a lot of math involved because then you got to think like if it's half square triangle, say, okay, do I want to make them two at a time, four at a time or eight at a time in the pattern, depending on how many are needed would regulate whether you want to make them two, four or eight at a time. Mm -hmm. And then, well, what size do I need those to be? And how many can I get of those out of a width of fabric? And then how many width of fabrics do I need? And then how much fabric over, you know, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of math to it. My husband actually helped me come up with like an Excel spreadsheet that helps me with that math. But there's still a lot of just like thinking through each step mathematically like that, that goes into pattern writing. And then it's also, once I have all these shapes cut out, we'll have to know like what to do with them, where to sew, all that kind of stuff. So I would say my early patterns were not great. (laughs) You asked me a second ago what the project was I'm in the middle of. I'm also in the middle of revising my patterns in general because I've written 14 of them. But I would say like 10 through 14 is really when I hit my stride and got a good format. I got hooked up with a really good technical editor who helps me make sure everything is well explained, that my math is correct, all that kind of stuff. I settled on a good format that I like, a layout and a way to explain things. And so I want to like go back and get those older patterns up to the quality of my later patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Explaining how to make the pieces and stuff, I think for me has gotten much better over the time. I've tested a lot of patterns too for other people. So reading how other people explain it, that makes more sense than the way I was explaining it. And then I adjust mine kind of thing. So there's definitely a lot more that goes into pattern writing than I assumed in those first couple of days where I was like, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> There's always more to something. It just amazes me. Yeah. You started your business just a couple of years ago? Yeah, the beginning of 2020. So in January is technically when I wrote my first pattern. I think I wrote like three that spring, but I didn't actually publish one until June of 2020. I only published my first pattern barely a year ago. Mm -hmm. Now, when you got it published and someone bought it, tell me about how exciting that was. Yeah, that was a big deal because that was my first one. I was only using Instagram, you know, and I have an Etsy shop. I don't really do much with other things. Some of them are on Pinterest, not really Facebook. So I was really just relying on Instagram. I think I only had like 800 followers at the time. And I think I sold four on the first day that I published my first one. I was actually at a Bible study with some of my girlfriends that morning and just like, you know, trying to contain my excitement as to not interrupt the group. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a big moment and a big encouragement to me that my ideas and things were being received well, even though I was still so new to quilting. Are your pattern instructions printed out or do you sell them by PDF? I just do PDF on Etsy right now. I don't do printed patterns for shops or distributors or anything like that right now. Okay. I've been on Instagram and seen what you have done. And I think you're a master at making these video clips. (laughs) (laughs) They really catch your eye and you just have to stop and watch you. So (laughs) how did you get into doing these video clips. When Reels first 
came out, I thought some of them were funny and all in the lip syncing. And I actually made my first couple were really bad. And like, I didn't even have music on my account. I tried to do the like snap one where you all of a sudden you snap and it changes to something else. And it's not pretty. (laughs) But I have another friend who she is a Beachbody coach. And so she makes a lot of reels. And so she and I bounce ideas off of each other. And honestly, just whenever I'm watching TV or listening to the radio, listen to a song, I think about, could that apply to quilting? Like, could I make a joke about that in quilting? Or if I'm scrolling and watching other people's reels, I'm like, how does that apply to quilting? So, I mean, that's a lot where I just get my funny ideas from. And I mean, I told you about my kids. They're constantly wanting to be funny. And my husband is very funny. He's got a good sense of humor, too. So I feel like we're funny people. We're always trying to make each other laugh. And so that's kind of a thought a lot of like, how can I make this funny? How can I lighten the mood? How can I make people laugh? Mm Mm-hmm. They are funny. (laughs) It's also kind of a release, like a release for me to be funny, too, because a lot of the times in parenting, you get to be fun. There's all those fun, funny times. But then a lot of it is also serious. We're getting chores done. We're getting laundry done. We're getting, you know, everybody's got to get out the door at this amount of time. So then this is kind of a little bit of like a goofy uh, release for me to be funny for a minute. Yeah. Elena, share with me the name of your business and how you came up with your name. Like I said earlier, at first it was called Miscellaneous Gifts because I was doing a lot of things. I was trying to sell a couple quilts on there before, but I was also mostly doing the vinyl, kind of more custom stuff. But then when I felt like I wanted to focus more on the quilting, when the pattern design bug kind of bit and I knew that I wanted to make a turn and change my name to be more focused on quilting. So that was about in February, I think. I was also, at my church, I was leading a women's event. I don't know if you've heard of it, called If Gathering with uh, Jenny Allen. Yeah. She's um, a Christian leader. She lives in Texas. She's written books. Her ministry is called If. And so they do a simulcast. And so I was hosting that at our church and doing a couple of things. And that year, they were focused on Romans 8. The whole weekend was going to be on Romans chapter 8. And one of the verses in there, and one of their main things that they were talking about was Romans 8, verse 6. Mm-hmm. That when you're led by the Spirit, it leads to life and peace. So that was something that stuck with me for a while, just thinking about following the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit, that that is what leads to life and peace. and that listening to my human nature, my flesh desire leads to sin and death is what they were talking about. And so just that like life and peace kept sticking with me. And then it came to, I guess, about March or April and I was starting to redo some things and the conference had been out of my mind and I was reading again later in Romans chapter eight and I came to that again and I was like, oh, life and peace. I was like, life and peace quilt co. I was like, what about that? And so part of my commission statement is, to bring life and peace through quilting. I'm talking about it in my first couple patterns. I have a big intro, (laughs) maybe a little too big that I don't know if people actually read it, but that life is messy. Life is not just the highlights and how we grow through life is what's going to create the life that we want. We can't just, you know, run from mistakes or avoid things that are troubling and still expect to like live life because then you're just running and avoiding rather than than living and dealing with what's going on and growing through it. 
And then the peace part came from, I think sometimes people associate peace with ease, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so just that like growing life, like choosing to grow rather than just avoid and run kind of thing leads to actual peace because actual peace is not really related to the ease of your circumstances on the outside. It's more of a heart and a spirit issue. Yeah. So just being a part of that, of encouraging people to lean into things that are hard and give themselves a chance to succeed in those moments and to learn something and just get one aspect of their quilting better through each pattern or each project, how they're going to grow and find more life and have more peace in what they're doing because of the way their inner life is going versus just the circumstances. That's so neat that the Lord brought that to your mind just at the right time. Yeah, he did. And where can we find your business? I'm on Instagram pretty regularly. Like you said, doing reels and, you know, posting pictures of my quilts and fabric and stuff. And then I have a shop on Etsy. It's real easy to find. It's just Life and Peace Quilt Co. And then I have some on Pinterest and I do have a newsletter that I will send stuff out. It hasn't been terribly often lately. And do I believe you have a website? I do, but I haven't updated it in a couple months. And it probably says my last pattern was like the yield quilt pattern that came out in like March. Okay. It's been a busy summer. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with me. I so appreciate it. Yes, thank you for having me. I love talking about quilting and all the things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Paula. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.